chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him. So Moses, he's getting his brother, his nephews. He grabs the garments, the anointing oil, and a bull as a sin offering, two rams and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Again, notice that God didn't just want this to be a family thing behind closed doors. He wanted to bring this in front of all the people so that they could see that God has called Aaron and his sons to this priesthood. And once again, this is all because this is what the Lord has commanded. Again, it's a great question for us to ask ourselves, to write it in our notes. Am I being obedient to God in this season? Am I being obedient to God in this season? Because if you're not, your fellowship with Him is going to be broken. It just is what it is. That's the way things go, right? We've mentioned it in the past few chapters that God has provided a way for our sins to be covered. But yet we're looking for any other way, any other option for our sins to be covered. Whether we're saying they're not a sin, whether we're saying they're kind of a sin, are they fully a sin, everybody's doing it, right? Trying to cover it with other ways. Maybe if I do enough good works, my sins will be covered. If I go to church enough, my sins will be covered. No, there's only one way for our sins to be covered. For us in New Testament, it's confessing our sins before the Lord. If we've hurt someone, it's confessing our sins. Amen. Would you forgive me for what I've done? Not just saying, I'm sorry. So Moses, he grabs all of his nephews. He grabs his brother. And he brings them in front of the entire congregation, these millions of people. Verse 5, and Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water and put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, put the ephod on him and girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod and with it tied the ephod on him then he put the breastplate on him and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate and he put the turban on his head also on the turban on its front he put the golden plate the holy crown as the lord commanded moses so we stop right here right it all begins with what in verse four a washing it all begins with a washing and biblically, what we use to be washed, to be cleansed, it's the Word of God. If you want to have that fellowship with the Lord, if you're here and you want to be used by God, if you want to show that you're thankful and grateful for what God has done for you, be in God's Word. Be listening to God's Word because this is what's going to cleanse you. Right? Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way? It's by taking heed to the Word of God. Hearing it and obeying it. It's going to cleanse your mind. What should a husband do? He should be washing his wife with the water of what? The Word of God. So if you're here and you want to be cleansed, if you have old memories that seem to continue to come to mind, old experiences, old smells, man, be in God's Word. Be taking in God's Word more and more and more and more. That's the only thing that's going to be able to wash away some of that bitterness. Some of that anger, some of those bad memories, some of those bad seasons is by taking in 
God's word. So it started off with this washing, and then what's the next thing? Now they had to have a certain dress code, right? Certain clothing, if you would, in order to serve the Lord. Now, do we have a certain dress code today to serve the Lord? I guess not, right? No, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Some people are getting nervous. They're having flashbacks of the robes they had to wear at their old church. Ephesians chapter 4. You see, God, he has a dress code for us today as well. If we want to serve him, if we want to be used by him, there's a certain dress code that we need today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. Again, we need to put off our old works. And now we've got to put on the new man that's only in and through Jesus Christ. And it all starts off with what? That cleansing. So again, may we put off the old Zach, right? Whoever the old person was that you used to be, however you used to act, that needs to be put to death. And now you're going to have to say, Lord, who do you want me to be? Because the person we're putting on, you're not putting on Zach. You're not putting on Pastor Raz. You're not putting on Chuck Smith. No, we are to put on Christ. That's the new man that we're supposed to be putting on is acting like and living like and looking like Jesus himself. Again, in our actions, the way we talk with our family members, our co-workers, our superiors, right? The people under us. Are we being that example of who Jesus was? Of who he is? Of who he is today? Are we doing that? You could write down Luke 24 verse 49. There Jesus tells us that we must be clothed with the power from on high. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're still there in Ephesians 4, you could go to Ephesians 6. We're just going to read through it, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Again, we need to put on Christ. We need to be clothed with that power from on high. And we need to put on the whole armor of God. We joke around, right? Again, the Christian race, right? The Christian battle. It's not the Christian lazy river. It's not. We all love Bonita. We love going to the high. But it's not the Christian lazy river, right? It's not the Christian vacation. It's not the Christian spa day, right? There's nothing like that in Scripture. It's a battle. It's a war. It's difficult. It's exhausting. But that's why we need to make sure, man, that old man is being put to death each and every day. And we're putting on Jesus Christ. We're putting on the Holy Spirit. We're putting on the armor that he has given us. The next thing he does, Moses does, is in verse 10... And now Moses, he's taken the clothing, right? They've put on their own clothing. It's not their regular, normal clothes. Now they put on these priestly garments, which are super special. If you remember, we went back through it in Exodus. If you want more detail on each and every one of these things, you can listen to a teaching from Exodus 29. You can listen to mine if you want. If not, listen to Joe Foles or somebody who's better. But Exodus 29, and they'll go through all those details. But here, the next thing the Lord does in verse 10 is that he takes the anointing oil and he anoints the tabernacle, all that was in it, and now he consecrates these men. If you remember in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, when there was a difficulty in the church, the first thing they looked for were men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a good reputation, they had an honest report, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to do great things for God, if you want to show the Lord how thankful and grateful for what he's done for you, got to ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You see, we cannot do this in our flesh. Sometimes we just come to church, maybe you're new here to church and you're just watching, and you're like, oh, the worship team's so good because they practice so much, right? And they're so incredible at this. No, they need both the talent, but they need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that guy teaching up there, he must have gone to school for this. He must have done this, must have done that. No, it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we can take for granted small services around the church and thinking that we could just do it in our flesh. Or, hey, I've always done this, so I'm going to be great at this, right? Some of the police officers, they realize when they come and they do security here at church, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you can't just arrest every sketchy person that comes looking into church, right? You can't. It'd be a lot easier that way. But what? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, this person looks sketchy, but hey, I looked sketchy when I came to church, right? So for each and every one of us, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit no matter what service you're doing. No matter if you're setting up the chairs or cleaning, we have to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit because I cannot do this in my flesh. We're going to see in chapter 10 what happens when we try to approach the Lord or do the service of the Lord in our flesh. So again, it all starts off with obedience. Then we need to be washed with the word of God. Then we need to be clothed with the clothing he's given us. And then we need to be anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 10. It says, also Moses took the anointing oil, he anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it, and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them, right? Which means to set them apart for the service of God. Again, God is just so amazing. If you remember on Sunday, we were talking about being consecrated in 1 John 5, 
And when we were in our sin, our whole life was, how do I get more of my sin? Whether if it was a drug, whether if it was pornography, whether it was power or gossip, our whole life was based upon, man, how can I get more of this? But now when we come to the Lord, we are set apart for the service of the Lord. So now each and every day we should be saying, Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, what would you have me to do today? Lord, do you want me to talk to that person in Publix? Lord, do you want me to invite my coworker to church? That should be our mindset now. So now he's consecrated this. He's made it ready and set apart for the use of the Lord. Then in verse 12, he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, and he anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them. He girded them with sashes. He put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. And Moses killed it, and he took the blood, and he put some on the horns of the altar, all around with his fingers. And he purified the altar, and he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. That word atonement, it's to make up for an offense. What's the offense that they're trying to make up for? Their sins. What's the offense every single human being needs to make up for? Their sins. What's the only way to make up for our sins? Jesus Christ. His sacrifice. A relationship with him saying, Lord, what you have done, what you have ordained, Lord, it is true. I agree with it. I want to run with it. Lord, thank you for loving me. That's the type of heart we should have. And what we see here in verse 14 and 15 is even though Moses is here, right, He spent at least over 80 days being in the presence of God. Even though Aaron is here and Aaron's sons are here, they are all just sinners, just like everyone else. These men needed Moses to make this sin offering on their behalf. And what we're going to see later on in chapter 9 is the very first thing these men do in their service to God as Levites is make a sin offering. So every single one of us, myself included, your favorite Bible teacher, whoever they are, they are just a sinner needing repentance. Just like each and every one of us, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not holier than you are. I'm just a sinner. That's why we need to be coming to the Lord no matter what. That's why we need to be careful. Sometimes God uses people and their press gets to their head. And they forget they are a sinner just like everyone else. They forget that... It's only the grace of God, and we have to be so careful with this. We're all sinners needing repentance. Verse 16, some of the verses we've read over and over and over again in Leviticus, right? Then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and the offal, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. This is the sin offering, right? The Lord, he had some of it burnt on the altar, then the rest of it had to be taken outside the camp. How should we deal with sin? We should take it outside the camp and burn it, be done with it, get rid of it. Verse 18, then he brought the ram as the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around the altar, and he cut the ram into pieces, And Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. And Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. 
It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had what? Commanded Moses. Again, it's all, Lord, this is what you've commanded me. And Moses is telling him, we're doing this because this is what the Lord has commanded us. We're doing this because this is what the Lord has commanded us. We're doing this because this is what the Lord has commanded us. Again, to the fathers here, to the single moms here, your home, is it being run by, this is what the Lord has commanded us. That's why we're doing this. That's why you're not allowed to watch that. That's why you can't go out with those people. Because as for me and my house, this is what the Lord has commanded us to do. And I want the presence of God in our home. So we're going to be obedient to what the Lord has commanded us. So first we saw the sin offering. Then we saw the burnt sacrifice, right? That was someone that was wanting to give their all to the Lord. We've read uh, Romans chapter 12, right? That if we want to be that living sacrifice, what we're saying is, Lord, you can take my life completely. All that I have is yours. There's no area in my life that I'm holding back from you, Lord. My whole life, in view of what you've done for me, the only thing that makes sense is to give my all to you. So that's what they're doing here. Verse 22, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons, they laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also he took some of its blood, and he put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. I like the King James Version. It says, and then they put it on his great toe, right? If you want a new term for your big toe, it's my great toe, right? But this is the offering of consecration. This is a different one. We haven't seen this. But again, this was the offering to show that Aaron and his sons were set apart for the service of God. They were not like everyone else. And we have to be careful. Oftentimes in ministry to unbelievers, we think the way to reach them is to look just like them. The way to bring them to the Lord is to wear the same things they wear, to act the same way they act, to say the same things they say. But here in Scripture, you just don't find that, right? The Levites, they had a completely different dress code. The Levites, they have an animal killed, and now imagine someone coming up to you, right? They're dipping their hands in blood and say, okay, come here, right? Come over here, right? Let me get your right ear. Let me get your thumb. All right, take off your shoes. Let me get your great toe here, right? And let me dip some more blood on that. It'd be kind of weird, especially if you're wearing sandals, right? Dude, did you stub your toe? No, no, no. I just had the consecration sacrifice this morning, right? That, that's all that happened. And that's why I got a bloody ear, bloody thumb, and a bloody toe, right? We need to look different to this world. If you're just concerned, if you're consumed with looking just like this world in order to minister to it, again, show me chapter and verse, right? Paul says he became all things to all people. That was to the weaker vessels, to those that were more hurting. He would be on their level, not to act like sinners not to act like the people on the fringes no he was doing whatever he could to reach people with the gospel but if we want to minister to the lord and for the lord we have to be what obedient to him why did they put blood on these specific places so that their whole lives were set apart for the service of the lord all that they would hear man lord this is set apart for you all that they would do with their hands lord this is set apart for you Everywhere they would walk, everywhere they would go, Lord, this is set apart for you. Great question. When we're doing things, Lord, am I doing this for you or is this all for me and my glory? Verse 24, then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses. Does the same thing. He gets the blood. He puts it on their ear, their right ear, their right thumb, and their right great toe. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. 
Then he took the fat and the fat tail, all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, and one wafer, and he put them on the fat on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his son's hands, and he waved them as a wave offering to the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offering, and they were now consecration offerings for a sweet aroma that was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was as Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had, what? Commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons and their garments. And he consecrated Aaron's, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And this would stick out like a sore thumb on their clothing, right? What color was all of their clothing from head to toe? White. White. Pure white. Right? Imagine how many of you ladies on your wedding day, right? Just getting some blood and olive oil and just throwing it all over you, right? Just sprinkling it all over you. The only thing people are going to see is the blood all on your dress, right? You're wearing a white shirt. You eat the spaghetti and meatballs. Who eats spaghetti and meatballs with a white shirt, right? But what happens? You get it on you. That's the only thing you can see. It's like if all you're wearing is just like spaghetti sauce, right? That's all you see. And now every time you'd see these priests, what you would see is uh, oil stains, right, that you can never get out, and the blood stains. Again, it's only through the blood of Christ. It's only through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and eat it there with the bread that's in the basket of consecration offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire, and you shall not go outside of the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for seven days, until the days of your consecration are ended, for seven days he shall consecrate you, as he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, day and night for seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord, so that you may not die, for so I have been commanded." So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So again, this inauguration, the people, they saw this ceremony. But now for the next seven days, Aaron and his sons would be living inside the tabernacle. Seven days to show how much they were set apart for the Lord and his service. To show how they were different than just the rest of the Israelites. Again, how much more should we be set apart for the things of the Lord? Chapter 9, verse 1. It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. 
Again, it's interesting because up until this point, Moses has been the one making all the sacrifices. It's been Moses up until this point. And now almost a day of excitement for Aaron. Hey, today you're going to begin to offer the sacrifices. Again, do, do we remember who Aaron is? What he's done in the past? Right? What a token of grace this is from the Lord. Aaron literally made a golden calf. He literally told the nation of Israel, hey, get naked and start dancing around this golden calf, right? As the Lord is speaking to Moses, telling him, hey, this is what the priests are going to wear and this is how they're going to act. Moses, let's pause this conversation right now. You got to go downstairs, right? You got to get off the mountain. Your brother's doing some silly things right now. You got to go and address them, right? That's literally what's happening. And each and every one of us, we are tokens of grace. It's all grace. It's all mercy. Again, be careful when we come to church and we don't see ourselves or one another as tokens of grace and mercy. Got to be so careful. That's the heart of a Pharisee, right? The Pharisee would say, Lord, thank you that you did not make me like that tax collector over there, right? I'm so much more holy as I come here to church. Be careful that you're not entering church and saying, at least I'm not like that guy. At least I don't act like that person. Got to be careful. We are all tokens of grace and mercy. We're going to see here that the Lord, he's going to deal with Aaron and his sons differently now because they've been consecrated. They've been set apart for the service of God. They represent God to the people, and now they're going to be held to a higher standard. I might be getting ahead of myself here, but here at the church, there's a higher standard. If you serve in kids' ministry, if you serve in youth or young adults, if you serve in worship or in Bible teaching ministry, you are held to a higher standard than if it's just your first time here at church. Or even if this is the home that you call, man, this is my church home and my family home. We are held to a higher standard because we are representing God to other people. So we shouldn't be frustrated with that. We should be grateful. Lord, I can't believe I get to represent you. Lord, I can't believe I get to be used by you to reveal you to other people. Lord, what a blessing this is. How sweet this is. But we will be held to a higher standard. We'll see that later on. But verse 1 through 4, they've been inside the tabernacle for how many days? Seven days, right? Talk about a scary place to be. And Moses sort of closes the door saying, hey, make sure you're obedient so you don't die. See you later, bro, right? That's literally his like, last words as he speaks to him. But they've been in the tabernacle for seven days. And now what's the first thing Aaron has to do when he gets outside the tabernacle? A sin offering. He's been living in church for seven days, just him and his sons. And yet he still needs to offer a sin offering. Again, we're all broken vessels. We're all sinners. And the only way we can come and minister to other people is by primarily being ministered to by the Lord. You have to be spending time with the Lord. You have to be spending time reading God's word and confessing your sins before him. When was the last time you said you're sorry to the Lord? When was the last time you said, Lord, forgive me for this, that, or the third? Because Aaron and his sons, they're literally living in the tabernacle for seven days. And the moment they get out, Moses says, hey, you got to offer a sin offering, man. Got to get right with the Lord before you can come before the people and minister to them. Verse Five, so they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. 
What an important verse for each and every one of us. Right? We ask ourselves, man, do you want to see the glory of the Lord in your life? Yeah, of course I want to do that, right? Are you doing what the Lord has commanded you to do? Are you cutting off the people he's asked you to cut off? Are you putting to death those sins and the flesh that he's asked you to put to death? Are you stepping up to the plate that he's asked you to step up to? If you want to see his glory, if you want to see him move in your life, you have to be obedient to him. If not, you're just not going to see the glory. You're not going to be able to taste of his presence. You're not going to be able to taste of how great and incredible and amazing he is if you're not being obedient to him. Verse 7, And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourselves and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron, therefore, he went to the altar. He kills the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself, himself first. And then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood. He put it on the horns of the altar, and then he pours the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, right, our favorite verse in the Bible, the fatty lobe from the liver... Of the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. And he killed the burnt offering. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood which he sprinkled all around the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to him with its pieces and head. And he burned them on the altar. Right? It's also incredible to me that he offers another burnt offering. Lord, how much more can I offer to you? I've been living in church for the last seven days. And yet there was still more that Aaron could bring and give to the Lord. When was the last time you said, Lord, I want to give you my all? If it's been more than a week apparently, right? There's more to give. If it's been over a year or 10 years or 20 years, is there more that you could be giving to the Lord? Is there more blessing that you could be seeing in your life? More of his presence, more intimacy with him? If you would be willing to give up more to him. Again, it's been a week and yet there's still, Lord, there's more I can give to you. Verse 13, they presented the burnt offering to him. It's pieces, the head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the entrails, the legs, and he burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he brought the people's offering. He took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and he killed it and offered it for sin like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and he offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then he brought the grain offering. He took a handful of it. He burned it on the altar besides the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices of peace offering, which were for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood which he sprinkled all around the altar. And the fat from the bull and the ram and the fatty tail... What covers the entrails and the kidneys and the fatty lobe attached to the liver. And they put the fat on the breasts and then he burned the fat on the altar. But the breast and the right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hand towards the people and he blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and burnt the offering and the peace offering. So important for us to know, if you're really doing the service of God, you're looking to bless other people. Aaron's here. He's lived in a tent for seven days, right? He's lived in the tabernacle for seven days. Now think of all the blood that's happening here, right? All the blood, all the killing, all the cutting, all the sweat. 
They're out in the desert, and he's doing all of this animal preparation, right? And cleaning and burning, all of this stuff. And the first thing he looks to do is bless the people. Family, why are you in ministry? Why are you serving? Is it to show people how great and incredible you are, right? Ah, Zach, I I just have such an amazing voice. I got to show other people the gifts and talents God has given me, right? Oh, I'm so great at this. I'm so great at that. I, I just have to put it on display. You don't understand what God has given me, right? Or you're saying, man, I want to be in ministry just to bless other people. I'm willing to be doing the more difficult thing. I'm willing to do the, the harder thing that I'd be able to bless others. That's what ministry is about. Because did Jesus look to bless himself first? No, he's always looking to bless other people. He's always looking to feed the others, to wash the other people, to cleanse the other people. And we, as we come to minister and serve, it's always about the Lord first, that's in offering, and then blessing others. Verse 23, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting. They came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. The Bible gives us several examples where God shows acceptance of a sacrifice with fire from heaven itself. You can write down Genesis chapter 4 verse 4. And that's when Abel makes a sacrifice. God accepts it. So he has fire come down from heaven. Leviticus 9.24, we just read it. This was Aaron offering the sacrifice. In Judges chapter 6 verse 21, Gideon, he makes a sacrifice. And God has that fire come down from heaven. Judges. Chapter 13, Manoah, he makes an offering, he makes a sacrifice. And again, same thing, God brings the fire from the heavens. David has a, a sacrifice likewise in 1 Chronicles 21. Solomon has one like this as well in 2 Chronicles 7. And finally, probably the most notable, right, Elijah has one in 1 Kings 18. And we see this amazing moment, and what a special moment. They get to see the glory of the Lord. God accepting their sacrifice. And we don't see anyone here complaining. Now we've been sitting here seven days for this ceremony for this. I gave up my clothes for now all these white linens. I can't believe they put oil on I can't believe they put blood on me. No, everyone, what do they do? They fall on their faces, shouting and just falling on their faces. Again, family, we will never regret giving to the Lord. Never going to regret it. Sacrificing for the Lord. Giving up of ourselves for the Lord. You're not going to regret it. But oftentimes, what have I seen people regret later on in life? I should have given this up for the Lord sooner. I should have given up these sins sooner. I should have given up that flesh sooner. I should have given up these sins and weights which so easily ensnare me. I should have given up these things sooner. That big stand for the Lord. That big stance in my family. Man, I should have done this sooner. But again, I encourage you, make those stands for the Lord. Whatever he's asking you to do, that you would be set apart for the service of the Lord. Whatever it takes, you're not going to regret it. Again, he wants to reveal more and more of himself to you. David Guzik, he makes these great comments, right? The Lord oftentimes uses fire as a description with his presence and with his work. In Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, it tells us the Lord your God is a consuming fire. 
He's a jealous God, Deuteronomy 4, 24. John the Baptist, he promised that Jesus would come with the Holy Spirit and baptizing with fire as well in Matthew 3, verse 11. In the day of Pentecost, right, Acts 2, 23, the Holy Spirit shows its presence by tongues of fire over the believers waiting there for what Jesus had told them to wait for, right, the comforter. Finally, Luke 12, 49, Jesus says, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Again, we see this incredible ceremony that is all put together with God himself revealing himself, showing himself, showing that he was grateful and thankful for their sacrifice. Why? They did as the Lord commanded. They did exactly what God had commanded them. You guys will be put to sleep, but chapter 1 through 7, right? We'd read the whole thing all over again. Read all of Exodus 30 through 40, and we see how they obeyed every single solitary thing. The people making the linens, the people making the tunics, the people making the turbans, people making the breastplates. They followed everything to the T, and now God reveals himself and brings his presence. But what happens here in the same season, maybe the same day as the inauguration or the day after the inauguration, we see what happens when people try to come to God flippantly. When people think they can come to God however they feel like it. When people think they can come to God not doing what he has commanded. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, They put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified so Aaron held his peace again high highs and low lows here for Aaron right he's there he offers his first set of sacrifices God's presence God's glory the fire of God comes from heaven and says man I'm happy with this I'm grateful for this sacrifice I'm grateful for your obedience but within the same season right we don't know how long has gone by Nadab and Abihu they think they can come to God however they feel like it They think they can come to God with whatever they think is okay. They think they can come to God not being completely obedient to him and his word. And that's what makes this a strange fire or a profane fire. It's not what the Lord had commanded them. David Guzik, he says, The fire in the altar of the burnt offering was sacred because it was kindled by God himself. God is the one that started the fire there on the altar. Nadab and Abihu, they offered a fire of their own making. Perhaps they thought all fire was the same, and the undiscerning may have agreed with them. But all fire isn't the same. And there's a huge difference between the fire kindled by God and the fire conjured up by man. And especially within ministry, we have to be careful that we're not just coming up with cunning ideas. That we're not just saying, hey, we could do this, let's change this. This is a better way to get people at church, right? Come on, I've done enough research. I've seen enough YouTube videos. This is how you get people in church, right? We have to be careful that we're doing things that are not according to God and his word. That we're not doing things according to the flesh. And now should all of us walk out of here like afraid? Man, is the fire going to come down, right? 
Am I going to get consumed? Am I going to turn on my car? It's just going to explode right here, right now? Is it not being obedient to the Lord? No, especially for Nadab and Abihu, they were just consecrated. They were just shown in front of all the nation of Israel that they represented God himself. And yet they weren't being obedient to them. They weren't being obedient to the Lord. They were doing things that God had not prescribed. And the Lord judges them right away. Again, God's word warns us, don't let many of you become teachers because you will be held to a higher, a stricter judgment. We have to be careful. We have to take seriously that the way we live, the way we act, the decisions we make, they affect other people. And now the more that God has entrusted to you to represent him, the more that should concern you. The more you should think about, man, if I do this, if I do that, how are other people going to react? We have to be careful with that. But again, we need to do things according to God's word. Nadab and Abihu, did they go straight to hell? We don't see that here. We don't see that here, right? Moses, even Moses himself, he misrepresented the Lord. And after, imagine this, 120 years of faithful service to God, he misrepresents the Lord. And now God says, you can't go to the promised land. Lord, I've been faithful for 120 years. You misrepresented me. You misrepresented me. That's now how I'm talking to them. I'm not calling them. I'm not smacking them. I'm not hitting the rod, right? Again, you think of the rod, the budding rod, right? All the almonds flying everywhere. Moses is going crazy, smashing the rock, right? And God is saying, that's not how I'm talking to my people. The rock, right? Jesus, he had to be put to death one time, and that's it. From here on out, we get to speak to him, and he speaks back to us. You can think of Ananias and Sapphira, right? We talked about this on Sunday, 1 John 5. They're there. They lie about what they gave to the Lord, you didn't have to give this tithe. You didn't have to give this offering. Why are you trying to act holier than you really are? And they were, they dropped dead right on the scene, right? We talked about this. We have to be so careful that we are not misrepresenting the Lord. We have to be so careful when we think we can come to God on our emotions or how we feel like it, right? The Bible, gender, sex, I don't think that should really be in there. So I'm just going to take that out. I think our God, he wants to be more loving in 2021, right? Oh, when it comes to shacking up, living with someone, having sex with someone you're not married to, ah, God doesn't really care about that. Let's just take that out, right? Our emotions, our feelings, have to be careful with that. Have to show people who the Lord truly is according to his word. And now we look at Aaron, right? And here I truly feel for Aaron. I hurt for him. You see the Lord, your sacrifices are there offered, God comes, and now two of your sons are just consumed. Everybody's shocked, everybody freaking out, what in the world just happened? And now God, what's the first thing that the Lord has and speaks through Moses? Hey, remember, anyone that comes to me must regard me as holy. That's the first thing. What's the second thing? God must be glorified. Again, we have to be careful when we come to God in just a flippant manner. It's sad. Sometimes you see so-called pastors and they're like cussing on the stage. They think that that brings more people to the Lord. No, our God is a holy God. He's a consuming fire. What's the second thing with our service to the Lord? God is the one that must be glorified. It's not me. It's not my talents. It's not any of us in our talents. No, it's the Lord that must be glorified. We can encourage one another. We should encourage one another as we're blessed by them. But at the end of the day, God is the one that must receive the glory. Verse 4, Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan and the sons of Israel, the uncle of Aaron. And he said to them, Come near, 
carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and they carried them by their tunics out of the camp, right? And now Moses, as Moses had said, and Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and to Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die. And wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Again, such a difficult day for these men. But here, Moses is telling them, hey, you represent God more than you represent your family. Aaron, I know you're a father. I know what you just went through was traumatic, but you're representing God right now. So don't you dare try to act like what God did here was wrong. Don't you dare try to act here like what God did here was too harsh. You are representing the Lord. And again, we have to ask ourselves, as we call ourselves Christians, as we call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, who do we align ourselves the most to? Jesus warns us, if you love mother, father, right, husband, wife, son, daughter, family more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. That's from Jesus, the God of love, the Savior of love, love itself, right? And we have to ask ourselves, are there certain family members that if it's God or them, nah, man, it's blood, blood's thicker than water. Are we willing to say, no, there's only one Savior? That's my Lord. I wouldn't have this friendship with you if it wouldn't be for him. I wouldn't have this relationship with you. I wouldn't be able to be the dad I am if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be able to be the husband I am if it wasn't for him. No, family, we have to be obedient to God more than one another. As much as I love you, as much as it breaks me, as much as it hurts me, if you want to live this way, man, you got to go out and, and do it yourself. But again, hear how Moses, he warns them, hey, if you misrepresent the Lord here, you're going to die. What God has done here is just and true. And we have to be careful. How do we talk about sin with our family members? Are we sort of dumbing it down for them? Hey, what you're doing right here, eh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, man, this is what put Jesus Christ on the cross. This is why he died. Because of my sins, because of our sins, we have to treat this seriously. And the Lord, he's not just heartless. He's, we're going to see later on how Aaron, he reacts a little bit differently and how the Lord's okay with it. And for us to also be reminded... Our Lord, he has the most brokenheartedness out of any father, right? And he's a perfect father. And yet he has prodigal sons and daughters that walk away from him all the time. He has broken relationships with him because of people's sins. And again, you look at the prodigal son and the father. He doesn't chase after him. He doesn't make room for his sin. He doesn't say, hey, it's safer for you to do this in my home. He lets him be. He's willing, he's looking for him, he wants to restore that relationship. But he says, hey, if you want to live this way, you go live this way out there. And now the moment the prodigal son says, man, there's servants living better off in my dad's house than me out here with all my freedoms, he's looking for him. He runs to him, he grabs him, he washes him, he gives him the tunic, he gives him the ring. He has the huge party for him. And family, that's the way we should address sin. We should say, this is sin, I, we can't bring this in our home. This has to be outside the camp. But the moment you want to repent, man, we're having a barbecue, we're having a pajariada, the party, we're having the whole everything, right? That's the way we should address sin and forgiveness within our homes. Verse 8, 
Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may be able to distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. It's interesting here because this is the only time we see God himself speaking to Aaron. Only time God himself comes and he speaks to Aaron. And what he tells Aaron is, hey, for you, for the priesthood, don't come to me while you're drinking wine or while you're drinking intoxicating drink. Not you or any of your sons because if you do this, you will die. That's enough for me not to drink any alcohol, right? That's enough for me to stay away from this subject. And for a pastor, we have to truly take this. I don't know if you guys want me up here and a little woozy, right? A little under the influence as I'm going through Leviticus chapter 10, right? Hey, sorry guys, I forgot my notes. I'm not all there right now. I hope you're okay with that. I don't think you guys will be. I hope you don't be okay with that. Don't be okay with that whatsoever. Right? You call a pastor up, man, I'm hurting my family member just died. Do you think you could come over here? Yeah, give me a moment. I got to call an Uber. Why do you got to call an Uber? I had a couple of drinks last night, and ah, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm clear or not, so I'll be there in a moment. I don't know where my Bible is. Let me grab it. I'm going to call the Uber, and I'll be over there in a moment, right? Again, the hope you have for us is that we're not touching this stuff. For the staff, I hope you're hoping that a portion of your tithe doesn't go to the people working here going out and going to the liquor store and buying stuff. And that goes for liquor. That goes for... Right, where do we go here? CBD, weed, all of that stuff. Anything that's intoxicating, anything other than the Holy Spirit speaking to us and revealing himself to us. And again, it's just how much do you want to be set apart for the things of God? How much is too much that you're saying, Lord, I, I can't give this up for you. And again, it's true. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says that drinking is sinful. i never forget. I was at a youth camp and I... It's like a seventh grade boy. He's like, is it okay if I want to drink fancy wine with my fancy wife? Like, sure, man. There's nothing in Scripture that says that. But if you want to be a pastor, no, you shouldn't be drinking. Shouldn't be drinking whatsoever. And again, this is the only time in Scripture we see God himself speaking to Aaron. And what's the whole reason? What's the whole reason that they weren't supposed to be drunk but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's so that they would be able to distinguish between what's holy and what's unholy. Between what's unclean and clean. Some commentators believe the reason why Nadab and Abihu were messing around with this strange and profane fire is because they were under the influence. They had a little bit too much to drink, so they, ah, let's do a shortcut. Let's just grab this fire instead of that fire. And they were consumed with the fire. Again, what is our justification for these things? And again, what does it look like? Right? I, I love you guys. I love your kids. I don't ever want to be out there. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. What's Pastor Zach drinking with his pizza? Right? Just a couple brewskis. Don't worry, son. It's okay. Right? No. <laughs> I, that doesn't look right. Even to little kids, it, it just doesn't look right. Again, so how much more as believers? Again, if you want that freedom in Christ, you got it. It's fine. If you want to be that pastor, if you want to be that church leader, we believe, again, God calls us to more. And I don't miss it. It's never called me to that. I like my fancy coffees from different places. I smell them. I slurp them. I drink them. That's my thing, right? I like fancy sodas. I like fancy food. But 
Alcohol, man, I don't want anything to clear my judgment. I don't want there to ever be a moment where someone calls me, Zach, we have this great need, and oof, I don't know if I can make it there right now because I'm not all there. Again, that's just what the Lord speaks here to Aaron. Then in verse 12, Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eliezer, Ithamar, his sons who were left, take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by fire to the Lord and eat it without leaven besides the altar for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your son's due of the sacrifices made by fire to the Lord. For so I have been commanded. The breast of the wave offering, the thigh of the heave offering, you shall eat in a clean place, you, your sons, and your daughters with you. For they are your due and your son's due, which are given from the sacrifices of peace offering of the children of Israel. And the thigh of the heave Offering and the breast of the wave offering they shall bring with the offering of fat made by fire to offer as a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be yours and your sons with you by a statute forever as the Lord has commanded. Again, here the Lord, he's reminding Moses, reminding Aaron, hey, the food, the offering, a portion of that is for you, for your sons to eat. This specific offering they had to eat there besides the altar. They wouldn't take any of that home, pack it up, and eat it later in their Tupperwares. This offering, if they wanted any part of it, they had to eat it there besides the altar. Verse 16, Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering, and there it was, burned up. And he was angry with Eliezer and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron who were left, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place since it is most holy and God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord? See, its blood was not brought outside the holy place. Indeed, you shall have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. It's interesting because we see it sprinkled throughout Scripture that Moses almost has an anger problem, right? It shows up every once in a while in Scripture. And here what's happening is there's this sin offering. Aaron and his sons are supposed to eat a portion of it. But Moses looks to the altar and the whole thing is consumed. And he's saying, this, you offer this almost as a burnt offering, not as a sin offering. What's going on? Why did you not partake of it? And now in verse 19, we see Aaron again, the heart of a father here who's lost two sons. He says, look, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. And such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So when Moses heard that, he was content. Can Aaron say, bro, I've had a bad day today. It's been a rough day. Two of my sons, I just saw them consumed by fire. I had to call uncle, right? He had to drag them outside of the camp. Today, I don't necessarily want to have this this meal here with the Lord, it would be hypocritical if I would stand here before the people and eat this and accept this. And I believe, right, that's what he says here. Would it have been accepted in sight of the Lord? I want to be a hypocrite here, Moses. I'm having a really hard day. So I'm going to do what the Lord's called me to do, but man, I just need some time to myself here. I don't want to be fellowshipping and eating this besides the altar. And when Moses hears that, he was content. Again, family, what do we take from this? What do we apply to all this? I hope you want to be used by the Lord. I was reading in uh, my Devo this morning, and it's from John 15, verse 8. And it says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. 
One quote from here, it says, What can I do for this great being who has done so much for me? Reader, are you a fruit bearer in your Lord's vineyard? Are you seeking to make life one grand act of consecration to his glory? One thank offering for his unmerited love? You may be unable to exhibit much fruit in the eye of the world. Again, for each and every one of us, what do we take from all this? If you want to say thank you to God, if you want to pay God back for what he's done for you, it's by each and every day saying, Lord, my whole life is yours. I'm consecrated to you, Lord. I am set apart for your service. That's how we show God how thankful and grateful we are to him. When there's things we're holding back, when there's things that are saying, Lord, you can have 95% of my life, but not this. Lord, you can have 99% of my life, but not this. You're holding back on him. And be reminded, it all starts off with obedience to God. If you want to show the Lord you're grateful to him, if you want to do great things for the Lord, if you want to be in his presence more and more, it all starts off with obedience. Is this what the Lord has commanded you? And then remember that order. Are you being washed with the water of God's word? Are you being clothed with the clothing that he's given to us? The armor that he's given to us? And are we being filled with his Holy Spirit? If you want to be used by God, if you want to be in his presence, again, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Are you being obedient to him? Sometimes I talk to people, man, I haven't heard from the Lord in such a long time. Okay, what's the last thing God asked of you? Are you doing that? Have you done that? Are you doing that? I don't remember what it was, man. Ask the Lord once again to remind you what was the last thing he asked of you. And finally, man, may we not come to the Lord flippantly. May we not forgive his mercy and grace and kindness and think he's not a holy God. That he's not an all-consuming fire. 